It's the Punk Rock Classrooms Podcast, Episode 9. Keep changing, keep growing. Right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Maybe it's a safe travel commute or your plan time. I am Mike, principal extraordinaire out of Lansing, Illinois. And this is Josh Buckley, a social studies teacher from Mesa, Arizona. And we want to welcome you to the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. Mike, let's do this. Let's make our classrooms like a punk show, buddy. Are you ready? Yeah, definitely, man. You don't have to have uh, been a punk or have a mohawk or listen to punk rock back in the day. But you know who did have a mohawk back in the day? Yes, I did, and you tweeted you. that out this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, haven't uh, yeah. I haven't tweeted the Mohawk picture just yet. It's coming. Oh, so it's, it's coming. coming. <laughs> well, it should be. Maybe will the episode drop before the picture comes oh, out? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. Maybe I'll tweet the picture out with the episode. We'll see. Ooh, that, that would be a good one. There we go. But yeah, there you we know, go. You don't have a Mohawk like me. It's all right. We're all here. <laughs> We're all punks here at the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, bringing that punk rock mindset to our school and classroom. That's right. All right. So here's what we're talking about today, Mike. You and I, we're going to dive into this idea of like, when people think of punk rock and punk rock bands, they, they sometimes just think like, it doesn't change. It stayed the same. Uh, it's the same kind of bands cranking out the same stuff. But here's what we know. We're talking about the idea uh, that we think should roll from punk rock into classrooms is the idea of like keep changing and keep growing right like yeah. that's what we're on uh so when you think of that idea of keep changing and keep growing what are some bands that come to mind that sort of like did things differently changed it up or or artists or punks who are like let's do something different what is that what is what do you think of when you think of those things well there's a couple and i'll share some and i know you probably got some some in mind too so i'll try not to take them all from you but uh, like one right off the bat, you know, you had Minor Threat when Ian came out and, you know, just fast in your face and screaming. And then Fugazi came out and it was, it was different. It had a different vibe, but, um, you know, it, it bridged a, a gap there. And then, uh, you know, we had the Misfits, one of the greatest horror punk bands of all time. Very, you know, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Inspirational, inspired a whole like genre. And then when Glenn Danzig left, went out on his own, kind of completely different, kind of touched on the whole metal crowd there. Um, but he, you know, it was still very successful for him, kind of doing things differently. What are, what are some that come to your mind, Josh? So I, th I think one of the things that we see is we see like, it's not just about like, like, you know, I got kicked out of my band, so let's do something different. It really is like, you want to keep changing so that you can keep growing. So one of those bands that I think of, that I really that really hits me is uh, at the drive-in, right? Fant oh yes, fantastic band. At the drive-in was fantastic, but then they spread out and they did something a little different. And you got Sparta took off from there, a different yes. kind of band, and then the Mars Volta, this yep. sort of, like groundbreaking band that just did things way differently, and that wouldn't have happened if if artists that you know these bands that we're talking about didn't decide to keep doing things and keep changing and tweaking things and growing so you know all those bands are really key to that and i think what we want to see happen in education is as we've talked about it before like you can't stay stagnant you can't stay no. in one place right and so yeah, 
as educators, we got to keep moving. We got to keep changing. We got to keep growing because we can't keep doing the same thing. And you said this before, I think on our last episode, you said nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. Something right? here from my wife. And she's already reminded me that like, okay, new year started. You're halfway through January. Don't go back to your old ways. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. So, you know, I, I think that this idea of, of changing things up is going to be, is kind of key to, to education. And we've touched on this in little different ways before, but I really want to focus in with you on it. So from your perspective, like what are the ways that you've seen yourself change and grow? I mean, go back to, to young doe-eyed Mike, first year teacher to now, what is, what are the things that have, that you've changed with and you've grown and you've done differently over that time? Oh my gosh. So much. Um, <laughs> I mean, my first couple of years of teaching, you know, you feel like you're kind of like a fish out of water. Like you don't, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had, was kind of leaning on, you know, the, 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 the English department I had gone into at the school, they were all veteran teachers. Um, they were very structured, very organized. Um, you know, they, they knew what they were doing for the whole school year, you know, August 1st, before, you know, a month before school started, you know, and, so I tried to follow that too because I thought, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Have everything planned out, like, you know, your lesson plans, these little boxes. And then, you know, I tried to fit that mold and I realized like that's not working for me because I would fall behind on the schedule because I would engage in conversations with the kids or, you know, those teachable moments. Um, so after a few years, I kind of realized, well, I've kind of got some seniority now. There's some people below me in the department. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of do things how I think they should be done. And so I, I kind of would start to just have like, you know what, we're not sitting in straight rows. I was the only classroom in a middle school back in the early 2000s that didn't have straight rows. Like we had like these weird, you know, desks facing each other and formations. And I remember somebody said I had some like kind of hippie setup in there. Like, what do you think <laughs> you're doing? But it lent itself to have like, you know, conversations and you know, just discussions and collaboration. And we would be up and moving. We'd be cutting things out of newspapers. And there just was this whole kind of hands-on mentality where for me, and I know, you know, there's been comments made how, you know, I've got the undiagnosed ADHD. I can't sit still. So for me, I'm like, I can't just sit here and just talk to these kids at the front of the room. So kind of branching out and just doing things differently. And then even as I got further in my career and more confident in being a teacher, um, I started to kind of question the curriculum that we had had in place. I was fortunate enough that at this time now, you know, um, Common Core had come out. And so they put me on the committee for our district to, to kind of revamp our curriculum, the English curriculum to match common core state standards. And I was able to write proposals and kind of bring in like, look, we've been, we've been teaching the same novels to kids since before I was here. It's time to adopt some new novels. Like the outsiders is great. Like that's something that needs to stay, right? But there's some of these novels these kids don't care to read it. I don't care to read it. So I actually was able to incorporate graphic novels into our curriculum. And I had this whole, you know, mindset shift to, yeah. to show them like, look, this isn't just a comic book. 
yeah, you can read it in a half hour, but if you truly analyze the illustrations, look at what's going on in the story, it, the pictures tell more of a story than what the actual dialogue does. Um, and we just started, you know, doing things in the classroom that were different. I, I started to um, think, well, how can we, you know, teach persuasive writing? And I might have touched on this in another episode, but, you know, I had a student teacher at the time and she, you know, being fresh and, and I told her, I said, hey, look, you got an idea, let's roll with it. So her and I created this whole, we're going to make this room a courtroom and we're going to argue the two sides between the three little pigs and the big bad wolf. <laughs> and th that year, those essays of the persuasive um, essays they wrote were by far the best ones I've ever had in my whole teaching career. And I think yeah. it's because doing something different, not following the same structure time after time, year after year, because uh, kids change. The kids I taught when I was in the classroom, th there's no way I could do those lessons with today's kids. Technologies change. Yeah, what these kids have at their fingertips. You know, it's a different world, and we need to make sure. You know, and I look at it with these bands. If, if you know, Glenn Danzig came out with a brand new band or a new band after Misfits, that and it was sounded, just the Misfits. <laughs> it sounded just like the Misfits. Yeah. It would not have been as successful because everyone would have been like, yeah, "All right, we've kind of heard this before." And I, before we started recording. I mentioned to you when Jim Lindbergh left Pennywise, and if you ever watched the documentary, um, The Other Word, which stands yeah. for fatherhood, yeah. he explains why he left, you know, he got the new band, which was um, Black Pacific or whatever it was called. I don't even remember because it sounded just like Pennywise and they yeah. weren't successful and he ended up going back to Pennywise. So we have to keep adapting and changing and evolving because our students who are our fans, you know, or even me as, a, as an administrator, my fans who would be my staff, if we keep doing the same thing every year, we're going to lose them. And no, no progress or gains are going to be made, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, I think, you know, that, that, that idea of like always changing in our, our careers, I, I really think that means like the idea of like when opportunities come, you should jump on them, right? Like, it's not just staying stagnant in the classroom, right? Like you mentioned this idea of like just doing the same thing every single year doesn't work, right? Like, and I think that also is our, our you know, what we do and the opportunities we take, right? Because we don't right. grow if we, if we don't do something, if we don't take on new responsibilities or new paths, right? I remember my second, my second year as a classroom teacher. I came in, I, my first year I taught world history and American history, right? And then it was like, hey, we need you to teach uh, psychology next year. And I was like, oh, right. I, I took a psychology class once in college, sure, right? right? And so I took it over and it was a ton of fun. It was something different that I hadn't, hadn't had to do before. I had to learn a whole bunch of new stuff. I had to dive in and learn things, but it was a great fun class to teach and it was it was cool to be with students in a different kind of environment than you know just talking history all the time so it was different conversations but that took me out of my comfort zone a little bit and i had to stretch a little bit and i had to grow to be able to do that and i think over and over again i'm for me you can think of it two ways i either have a really hard time saying no or I'm adventurous and I want to keep growing and keep changing, right? My wife would tell you that I have a hard time saying no to people, 
right. I would tell you that I just want to, I want to try new things. Right. So, you know, I, early on in my career, I, I sat on bargaining for our district. I was like a, a brand new teacher, you know, doing, sitting on bargaining for contracts with my district. And then, right. you know, I, I was a, um, you know, I, I sat in my role. I, I was a, an executive board member for my union. I was vice president. Then an opportunity came to run for president and all of these things. I was like, yep, let me do that. Let me do that one. You know, someone, someone would say, Hey, Josh, we want you to, you know, will you come and, and talk about this? Yeah, sure. I'm there. Let's go, let's go yeah. do it. Right. And it's always been about growing a little more and the skills that I've gained by not being afraid to change, by not being afraid to do something differently um, have been great. Right. Like I've, I've done, uh, I've been on the radio several times. I've been on PBS. I've done, uh, you know, panels. I've hosted, uh, you know, political uh, conversations for legislators. I've sat in, uh, you know, legislative sessions on education and talked to and talked about bills that, that they're hearing uh, to do with education. That all came from me going, yep. I'm going to, I'm going to take that next step and I'm going to do something different. And, and the skills that I've gained from that help me be a better teacher, right? Like right. I've, I've got confidence in the classroom that maybe I wouldn't have had as a, as a early teacher um, because I went and I stepped out and did something different and, and took on these opportunities. And we want our students to do the same thing, right? Like, yeah, right we want them to not keep doing the same thing over and over again. We want them to be able to, to recognize that the path forward is by growing and changing. Right. You know? And, and so what are some ways that you see, what do you see on your, on your campus of, you know, teachers kind of asking students to do things differently or asking students to grow? What do you see on your campus that kind of illustrates that for you? Well, we, there, there's been a lot. And I think when you, you know, I'm a big believer that in order to grow, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And like you said, I mean, it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I truly in my administrative role got out of my comfort zone and started doing things my way. Um, and I mean, it's opened so many doors. I've made so many connections. I mean, between you and I, we wouldn't be here right now having this conversation. Right, right. Um, you know, the whole you know, other, other, this other project that we're involved in that's going to be coming out soon. I mean, it's, it's, if it wasn't for me stepping out of my comfort zone, it, there wouldn't be where I'm at today. So to get our students to understand that, I mean, I truly believe it has to start from, you know, the top and me being an administrator, a principal of a school, I have to present those opportunities and I have to, I have to showcase myself to my staff first, because they need to know that, you know, if I'm asking you to do something and get out of your comfort zone, they need to see that I'm doing the same thing. Like, right. You got, you got to model what that looks like. So they right. know that there's some safety there. Right. And, and if I'm not, I mean, they're not going to be like, well, no, I'm not. And like I talked on my reflection, you know, we had so many teachers confident in their, in their comfort zone lessons we did last year because they know well, Mike's doing comfort zone stuff all the time. Like he's, he's not afraid to fail and admit it to us and be like, Hey, I failed. Here's what I learned. Here's what I'm going to do next time to make it even better to succeed at it. So it needs to come from, you know, the leadership uh, in the building. I mean, it can happen if the leader's not, you know, but I, 
I personally feel to have kind of all buy-in for not all your staff because you're always going to have the couple who who just won't, you know, they don't maybe believe in the principal's vision and, and that's all over um, the, you know, the world. But the teachers, you know, they need to be modeling it for their students and they need to show them like, hey, look, we are not perfect just because we're your teacher up here. Right, like, we've got to be risk takers too, right? Yes. We've got to show that we can change right. and we can grow. And we have to let them know it's okay to fail. Like when I taught, I had my kids, they brought in, you know, their notebook as one of the supplies. And we called it the risk notebook. So when I would like pose a question or, or a discussion topic, everyone had to write a response down in their book. And what that was is because I had one of them thinking, and it didn't matter if it was off the wall, if it was right or not, you're taking a risk and you've got something to share. Um, and it just kind of helped create that environment where they weren't afraid in front of their peers to be wrong or make a mistake. You know, it, it, let them know like we're all here learning we all have different points of view we all have differences yeah and let's let's work together to to make things better so yeah so as a, a back to the original question because now i'm rambling <laughs> stories from my past but i think we just need to present those opportunities for staff students and families to get out of their comfort zone you know right. um yeah I, th I think you're right. And I, I, like you said, I, I think we really have to be willing to sort of like show kids that that change is something and growing is something that everybody goes through. And sometimes it doesn't work great. But sometimes if you never took that step, you wouldn't you wouldn't improve. Right. You wouldn't right. get better. I remember I was teaching a, I was teaching AP macroeconomics, right? So I was that teaching really fun. <laughs> it's really, it's literally my favorite class I've ever taught is AP <laughs> macroeconomics. Uh, but I switched schools and, and I, you know, I gave it up yeah. when I switched schools, but um, I love teaching it. And one of the things, you know, it was my first year teaching it. I'd been trained in it. I didn't take a ton of economics classes in college, but you know, when you're a social studies teacher, someone tells you like, hey, if you want to be marketable, you should get your, you should make sure you're economics certified, right? And right. so I got econ certified and I taught macroeconomics. It was the first year I taught it and I was teaching my students this lesson, right? And I thought I knew what I was doing. Right. I thought I had it. And literally my kids are writing stuff down. We're trying out this problem together. I'm like, okay, so let's work this out. Let's see if we can figure out how this works, right? And we're, we're, we're working through comparative advantage, which is no one's going to know what I'm talking about. Except right. One at econ teacher. Like, yeah, comparative <laughs> advantage, right? So we're working on it. And like, I'm not a math teacher, but there's a little bit of math in here. I don't know how to teach math to kids. I just like, I was never trained in that, right? So yeah. I'm trying to work with this for these kids. And I realize that like, I did this all wrong, right? And so I told my kids right there, I'm like, all right, guys, I screwed up. Here's what we need to do. Everybody take that page out of your notebook right now. Take it out, rip it out, <laughs> right? Like yeah. crumple it into a ball. I'm going to hold the trash can right here. Everybody take a shot, right? Like, yeah. like we're going to do this differently. And so everybody, you know, everybody crumpled up their paper. We, they all threw it in the basket or, or near me into the basket or at me in the basket. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I was like, all right, guys, uh, let's, let's pause. Let's not think about that right now. Let's take a pause on it. Uh, let's do something different and we're going to come back tomorrow. And we're going to do it right. And you have to be willing sometimes to go, Hey guys, we didn't do this right, but that's okay. You know, because if, right. if, if we're going to grow, we have to be willing to like, we have to be willing to make some changes and do some things that might not work out right. 
right? Like um, I decided, yep, I'm going to tackle this AP class. I'm going to do it. Didn't work always. And, but I had to be honest with my kids and say, let's figure out how to do this right. Let's learn it together, right? I had kids in that class who were like in Calc BC, right? Like the highest okay. math class you can take at our high school. And I was like, guys, can you tell me how to do this? Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I don't know. So help me out. I don't know how much you know. I don't know how slow I have to go. And so you have to be willing to kind of take those steps and admit that you need to change and admit that you need some help growing and take those opportunities and do something different. You know? Well, it's true. Like we can't, you know, and, and I'm glad to say a lot of teachers that I've, I've seen, I've spoke with, have taken that mind shift. And a lot of principals, though, I think are still, and even district office administrators, sometimes because you've kind of, I don't want to say worked your way up to that level, that title, but, you know, just because you're like titles don't make, you know, earn you like respect or anything like that, you know, and, and we need to remember, like you just said, to admit our faults and when we make mistakes. And I've done that with my staff and it's been a huge culture shift for us where if, if I'm not a numbers guy, I mean, I taught English. So I have finally just, which everyone already knew, but finally admitted like, look, I'm not good at data. I'm not good at analyzing these, analyzing these numbers. Who, who can help me out and sit down with me and right. walk me through this? And I've got staff who are more than happy and willing to do that for me. And I don't try to like, you know, put on the facade when I have to report on it anymore that I, I understand it. Cause um, there's been plenty <laughs> of times I've totally said yeah. the wrong thing about it. And people, because I think I'm the principal, wouldn't want to be like, um, hey, no, you're completely wrong. That's not what that's saying. But now, because I'm like, hey, look, I think this is what it says. And people will be more open in a meeting to say, no, it's not. Um, and, and the other thing about that, Mike, is like you're giving someone the opportunity to change and grow, right? When you, yeah. when you tell one of your staff members like, hey, I need some help on this. Will you help me with this? Can you do a part of this? What you're doing is you're giving an opportunity and those teachers are able to take it and they're able to change and grow. And sometimes like that's the best thing I think that leaders in education can do. Right. We have to give those opportunities. Like we give yeah. the opportunities to students for, to lead and grow leaders, principals, district office, whoever, superintendent, school board, we need to give the leaders underneath us the opportunity to grow because the, the, the way the school should work, I should be able to not be essentially I want to work myself out of a job. Right? <laughs> this school should be able to function and run smoothly without me here. Right? So if I'm not here, there should be teacher leaders or not even teacher leaders, just maybe it's a paraprofessional. Maybe it's my custodian. Maybe it's my nurse. They should be able to step up and be like, okay, look, here's what we're going to handle. Cause he's not here. I mean, right. And I, I, I forgot where I heard that from that. We want to work ourselves out of a job as a, an administrator, but that that's true they shouldn't need me to be successful and do everything that they are doing here. You know, like right. I'm just kind of guiding the ship um, per se. And, and, you know, when things happen, I'm going to take the fall and all that, but we're, we're all in this together. We've said this how many times, right. probably on every episode, like we're all in this together. For well, all you know, cause our, our favorite 
uh, show is High School Musical. So it's our. It, that's right. Know, that's that's, that's right. <laughs> but you're, but I, you know you're totally right. Like we have to be. We we've talked about before the idea of like you have to give your students opportunities to to change and to grow and to do things and to take the lead. And, you know, when I was given those opportunities and I stepped out and did those, it made me a better educator, right? Yeah. And, and, and when leaders have given me the opportunity to do that, and I've been willing to take that change, I think that's the biggest part too, is like, as educators, we have to be willing to take that next step and do something differently or change things up. And we have to be willing to go like, I, I, I'm not just this. And, and I think that rolls us into... Um, a little bit of our conversation, we did, a, we did our slow chat, right? Um, and we, we asked people to kind of chime in and we had, a, we, had, uh, we had one person chime in and I can't, I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now. It's going to drive me nuts. Uh, but that just reminded me that we had a teacher on our slow chat say, you know, um, I wasn't very good at math. Luckily, I'm just an English teacher, right? right. And like right. I replied back to her like, you're not just an English teacher you are an English teacher and there are plenty of people who can't do what you do, right? right. Like you have something to offer. And I, I think that the, we have to be able to, as, as people in education, as both teachers and, and educators and, and classified staff members, we have to be willing to say like, I'm not just this. I, I, what I do has a giant impact on education and what I do um, I'm going to do better at it. And if an opportunity comes, I'm not just an English teacher. I could be an English teacher and a leader, right? Yes. And, and, and that's a key part of this. And so one of the questions that we, we asked this question, in our slow chat, we said, what subject or topic is out of your comfort zone? And what did you have to do to help you teach it to your students? Right. We wanted to, we wanted to ask people a little bit, how did they stretch? How did they do something differently that when they were faced with it? And our first one comes from uh, Andrew Kress. And he said he was never really into poetry. So it was hard for me to teach. I love music. So we're starting our poetry unit using song lyrics. If I can get students amped up, then the lesson will teach themselves. Part of having a crew is motivating each other, right? And that's love it. great. Sometimes, you know, I, look, I've taught the dismal science of economics. And sometimes you just gotta, you gotta flip it up and find a fun way to do it. And if you can get kids to buy in by tying music and poetry together and that's going to make you uh enjoy the unit more and be more passionate about it then do it well he's bringing his passion music into the classroom i yeah. love it we got, we got a teacher here a fifth grade teacher on our campus she has a song of the day so you walk in a room and it says song of the day and it's usually something more popular that the kids know and there's yeah. a whole like theme of why that's her song of the day i love it um yeah we had courtney probasco Probasco, she said, I hated teaching math in a common core way. I had to pretty much relearn a whole subject that I had a minor in. For class, we learn together, and I'm honest about my struggles, and we also keep the atmosphere hyped, music in the background, candy throwing, and dancing. So again, she's just making it. She's turning her room into a puncture. She's making it fun. Right? To me, it sounds like an uh, insane clown pop, insane clown pop <laughs> show with candy being thrown. If only they had, they had the Fago. The Fago, right? <laughs> I, th I think that that's key too, right? This idea of like, you have to be honest with your students and go like, you know what? I'm struggling with this too, but let's figure it out. Right. I mean, I tell my kids that all the time because we do a lot of like current event stuff and they'll go, hey, Mr. Buck, did you hear about this? And I say, nope, but let's figure it out, right? Yeah. Let's, let's go look on it. 
Uh, our next one, uh, Novak writes in, I struggled uh, getting out of the mindset. And I put this one in here because like we've talked about this before. I struggled getting out of the mindset of certain standards needing to be mastered exclusively through writing. But then I'm expected to write standardized test, multiple choice questions for those same standards. And I can't seem to wrap my head around it. And here's what I'm going to say. This ties into our last episode a little bit, right? Yeah. This is, this is key. Like it, it's hard. It's, we get those struggles, but one of those things is when you see something like this, we talked about it on the last episode, stand up, speak out, build that change, right? right. Like be break the status quo and, and help make that change. And it might not happen right away, but that's part of growing and changing too, right? Like using your voice to improve what you do in the building, improve the education your students get is going to be super important. Right. Um, our last one we'll share today was from uh, Mr. Coppola, Tony. He put, ironically, teaching writing is very challenging for me. Assigning it's easy. A critical, piece <laughs> I for yeah, a critical piece I force myself to slow down and include is the discussion oral rehearsal piece prior to writing. Students need to practice saying sentences prior to writing. A lot of things I love about this being just my background. One, I do think it's ironic because Tony's got a blog out there. He just started. Um, and you definitely got to go check it out and read it. He's got some great pieces out there already. Um, so I think it's ironic he has struggled teaching writing. Um, but I love this piece of instead of writing, we're just going to talk. Because it's so true because we, we all talk in like different slang and dialects right. and vernaculars. So for him to, hey, let's just properly speak. Because one, that's honestly a skill students are going to need excuse me, need to know as they go into the workforce and leave us, you know, that's what people are expecting. So he's actually not just reinforcing their writing skills by speaking it. He's teaching them just a skill they're going to need for success going forward. Right. Right. Um, so I love it. It's a great job, Tony. Right. And I, I think that that comes down to this idea that, that, that for in the punk scene, like this language that punk's dead Nah, punk just changed a little bit, right? Old school, right. the new school, um, you know, these bands who spread out and maybe got a little more emo in the mid nineties. Right. And, <laughs> and, but like all of that is about changing and growing and doing better. Um, right. And, and that's, that's key to what we, we want. We hope people get out of this discussion. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our next episode is going to be on collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. About, about, we talked about getting that crew together. Now let's talk about what do you do with that crew? How do you improve right education? Yeah, how do you improve education when you, when you get those folks together? Uh, remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Punk Classrooms. You can follow Mike on Twitter at mearnshaw158. And you can follow me on Twitter at Josh R. Buckley. And then I'm going to give one plug. Ladies and gentlemen, the merch table is open, Mike. Yes. You can get yourself some Punk Rock Classrooms gear over at punkrockclassrooms.threadless.com. We've got three different designs. Uh, you can get it a mug. You can get a tote bag. Those tote bags are perfect for putting all of your grading in on Friday, carrying it home, and then bringing it back on Monday ungraded. It's going to be really good for that. So uh, we've got tote bags, coffee mugs, t-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, anything you get on Threadless. That would be awesome. Go check it out. Find yourself something. And you know what, Mike? You don't have to be a punk to rep a punk rock classroom's little little shirt. But uh, check it out. Um, and then remember, you can find us on uh, all those wonderful places. Uh, so, Mike, what have you been listening to, man? Yeah, so for me, um, 
I'm not uh, one, what I did on my reflection last week, still listen to that pressure cracks EP. I can't get enough of it. But <laughs> this morning I woke up and this is one of my favorite days of the week is Friday. Do you remember back in the day, like Tuesday was the day CDs came out. Yeah. But Friday is now the day new release. Friday. Now yeah. Now it's Friday. So every Friday I love going on a Spotify, seeing what's new that came out and Eminem dropped another surprise album like you did with kamikaze back in 2018 so i put that on and i was not impressed with kamikaze when it came out um i know a lot of people were i didn't i just didn't get into it but from what i've heard so far about halfway through the new one uh, it's it's awesome he's got a song with ed sheeran on there all right yeah which is pretty good <laughs> and then he's got a song with uh it's called Godzilla with uh, Juice World, who was a rapper from Chicago who passed away. And it, I mean, it just, it brings me back to like memories of like when old Eminem was out. So I, I'm really digging there right now. All right. How about you, Josh? Uh, I've been on a weird metal kick, man. Like it started, this is weird. So it started uh, when we put our Christmas lights up really, really late this year, right? We were just super busy. And so I've been on this metal kick since then. I, I had to go put my Christmas lights up. It's nice outside in Arizona. So you get to wear like a t-shirt and some shorts while you put your Christmas lights up, right? Yes. Um, I put my headphones in and I was listening to some super sludgy, uh, just I've been on a metal kick. So I've been listening to some of the bands I've been checking out, uh, uh, High on Fire, yeah. um, Enforcer, and The Lowest Creature. Those have been my, those are my three metal. Uh, High on Fire sounds like if Motorhead were a little heavier and they sang about <laughs> wizards. Yeah. Um, and then Enforcer is like a pretty good thrashy hardcore metal. And then Lowest Creature is pretty thrash metal. Like if, nice. uh, if Slayer were a little more hardcore, maybe, um, cool. not that Slayer is not hardcore, but I mean like HFB right. hardcore, right? right? right. Um, but that's, I've been on, a, I've been in a metal mood, man. So that's been what I've been listening to. We so. all go through those. Yeah. yeah. All right. Know? Well, yeah, we want to thank everyone for listening. Check us out on social media. Go get your punk rock classrooms gear. You know, if you missed the website, um, you can always check it, check the Twitter feed and we'll put it there. Please give us a rating on iTunes and get ready for our next episode, which will be on collaboration. And you That's know what, right, Josh? guys. What, what? What's Not up? only are we going to say we'll see you at the show, but I think we got to remind everybody that education never dies. That's right, buddy. Education never dies. And we'll see you at the show. Man.